Red Business with IBEC, building a sustainable competitive future in Cork business. Hi there and thanks for joining us. Well, another Red Business has rolled around two big events we need to mark on this week's episode, International Women's Day and Local Enterprise Week. It is Local Enterprise Week. There's a host of great events being planned to help Cork businesses and entrepreneurs deal with the wide range of challenges. And it is quite a wide range of challenges that we currently face. There's events being run online. You can fill your week with panel discussions and training courses and networking sessions, business advice clinics, and if you're into it, chair yoga, which we've tried before in the podcast and it went reasonably well. Dr. Niall O'Keefe is Head of Enterprise at Cork City's Local Enterprise Office. You're very Welcome to Red Business, Niall. Thank you, Jonathan. Thank you for having me. It's lovely to talk to you again. Have you tried the chair yoga yet? Because it is actually a bit of crack. Uh, I did it at the photo shoot to promote the event, but um, it, it looks really interesting. And the I suppose the principle behind it is that a lot of us are spending more and more time sitting when people were uh, working from home uh, at a greater level. It was important to kind of get out of the chair to do something, stretch appropriately and so on. And I suppose... Uh, it, it's an interesting topic in that it leads us into what we're trying to do with Local Enterprise Week this year, in that we're trying to be responsive to the needs of people. So as would have always been the case, we would uh, have uh, development and training around starting your own business, about finance, about planning, about networking. But we're also looking at other areas that may not have been looked at closely before, which is the holistic nature of health and well-being. So in the 13 events that we've got running this year, um, from the Cork City Enterprise, uh, Local Enterprise Week schedule. We've got tips and tools for entrepreneurs looking after their mental health and well-being, as, as well as the chair yoga. Yeah, so there's plenty out there. Chair yoga is not the only thing, but I suppose in general, no. uh, th- I think this is your first Local Enterprise Week uh, as the boss at the Cork City, Leo. Um, it, it is a great opportunity for people to come together uh, more than anything else. And we say come together, we actually mean it this year, don't we? Well, uh, you're, you're correct. I'm a newbie there. I'm only there six weeks. So I, I thank uh, my team led by Ethan Madden for putting the schedule together. And, and as always, they've had the finger on the pulse in terms of what the requirements and the needs are. They will know that in the last year we had two, over 2,100 people attend some form of training. They know from the trends and the levels of interest that people are expressing which way the program should go. So there's a there's a it, it, there's a constant cycle of a, a evolution, as it were, in terms of the training requirements that people have. And as you outlined in your intro, it's been a very difficult two years. The businesses in Cork have demonstrated tremendous resilience in terms of overcoming uh, the challenges that are there. Um, but there's also new learning, and we want to share that learning with the uh, the people of Cork and those interested in starting a new business. And again, going back to your intro, a lot of people have been considering their career options as a result of the pandemic and, and, and public health restrictions. And that's why I think we're, we're being contacted increasingly by people looking to explore their options and, and moving a hobby into a business or moving a, a passion or another skill and, and making a leap into another area. So again, the program is is lined up to uh, accommodate all interests and all needs. I genuinely believe we have something for everyone this year. Uh, the, the, the thing is that we, we do this parallel series, which is Red Business in Focus, which features companies supported by the local enterprise office. It's all up at redfm.ie. I mention it every week on the podcast. But when you speak to those companies, every single one of them has had an epiphany, has had a moment where they realised, OK, I had to change from doing that to this because the world around me changed. And none of them regretted it. That's what I find fascinating. Nobody says that uh, I hit a wall and I refuse to climb over it. 
It's a very important point, Jonathan, because even people who have tried and it wasn't successful maybe in the first instance or it started more slowly than they would have hoped, that there hasn't been a regret in terms of taking an ambition, a dream, a hope, a passion, and, and turning that into a way of, of making a living and a lifestyle around that. So what um, are you recommending people to? If they have that little nugget, if they have that idea, they've never actioned it, maybe they're fed up in the job that they're in and they're desperate to try and find to do something new, what should they do for Local Enterprise Week? Well, just to point out, Jonathan, that Local Enterprise Week is a national event and I think it's important that regardless of where people are in their business, whether they're pre-startup, startup or looking for expansion, whether they're looking for personal development, that they look at the websites. Uh, Local Enterprise Week... Um, is being promoted by all 31 uh, local enterprise offices. So our, our partners and colleagues in uh, Cork County Council have uh, events running and in Cork North and West, but there's also national events. So in Cork City, we have uh, 13 events that I outlined earlier uh, running this year. Um, there's some really interesting ones. Again, it depends on what your, your passion is, but we uh, finance and grant supports information webinar is a really interesting one. Uh, partnership and enterprise. Uh, it very much talks about the nuts and bolts of starting a business. is really interesting. Mm. Also, a very important one is about tenders and quotes. An awful lot of small business owners that I meet feel that they're excluded by the virtue of their scale. But there's a lot of work out there from uh, on e-tenders from local authorities and various other uh, entities which would be appropriate and of a the an opportunity for business development for a small business. So again, that's happening on Thursday. And just to say to your listeners that the event is running from uh, Monday the seventh until Friday the eleventh. Uh, there's a range of times. Uh, they're all online, so you can pop in and pop out. You would need to book online. That's one thing I'd recommend in advance. There uh, is high uh, levels of demand and um, interest in the programs. Some are actually very close to full at this stage. So. We recommend that people book in online and uh, there's a great choice. Okay, uh, what's the website if people need to book? localenterprise.ie forward slash Cork City. Okay, so there's plenty in there uh, for all businesses of all shapes and sizes. We're going to speak with Joan Lucy in just a minute of Vibes and Scribes because hers is a great story of how you can create a brilliant business out of something small. But uh, for now, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for talking to us and good luck to you and all the team for the week ahead. Dr. Niall O'Keefe, Head of Enterprise at the Leo in Cork City. Thanks for joining us, Niall. Thank you, Jonathan. Red Business with IBEC, building a sustainable, competitive future for Cork business. Now, one of the major selling points of Local Enterprise Week is the insight that can be gotten from entrepreneurs and other business owners who have excelled in their field, who've grown their businesses through thick and thin. And there is no better example of that in Cork than the MD of Vibes and Scribes, Joan Lucy, who's been on the podcast before. But Joan, it is always a pleasure to talk to you. How are you? I'm very well, thank you, and thank you for those kind words. Uh, let's, you know, let's a bit of encouragement is always good. Well, we always need that, don't we? Uh, let, let's talk a little bit about how you guys are doing right now, because uh, it, it is it, 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 it is a time when we have emerged from a crisis, uh, and there's always a crisis looming. How is business going for you, Joan? Because like everybody else uh, in retail, you, you had a pretty torrid time for two years. Yes, it, it has been difficult. I suppose we were lucky that we had an established online shop. So we extended that offering. So all my staff were able to stay working. We didn't have to let anybody go. And we worked as a team together. But the challenges were we went from being a retail, as you know, a traditional retail, to operating a warehouse, really. 
and it was a big change for the staff and it was a big change for all of us just physically even trying to make a five-story building into a warehouse wasn't exactly ideal <laughs> and and just 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 and just then people having the courage to come to work and the stresses and the strains um and i suppose and it's, it's different you while you're still communicating with the customer it's on the phone only and that's very different so th- there's different skills required and i would say yes it was a, a challenging very challenging time and i would say that the staff are only they're only getting over it. they're you know they're only just co- coming to terms with the change back and you know retail isn't easy at the moment i would say that yeah in, I mean, in that in that area we've had a big change yeah. this week of course whereby the mask rules have been relaxed mm. so you've got people coming in without a mask for the first time and it's a personal choice mm. as opposed to a requirement has has that been difficult because you guys have been doing your very best for the last while i mean anytime i've been in a shop this week and someone's not wearing a mask i almost kind of i get a fright and i step back a small mm. bit it's just it's like it's unusual well, I did talk to each and every staff member personally over the la- last week to g- get everybody's feedback of where they're comfortable to continue wearing the masks and everybody wanted to wear the masks. So that felt good that we were we decided then if any customer passed any comment on it, we would say we are looking after ourselves and everybody in our vicinity. And we're sticking with it. We're not putting any pressure on any customers, but we, we'll, we'll continue looking after ourselves and anybody that's in the shop as best we can. And the team are very much behind that. I, I always struggle when somebody asks me, what do Vibes and Scribes do? Um, to, to kind of <laughs> capture it and contextualise it. Because to some people, you're a bookshop. To other people, mm-hmm. you're where you go to buy wool uh, and, and other types of material. How would you, Joan Lucy, describe Vibes and Scribes? Well, I would say, yes, we, are, we have two bookshops, a second-hand bookshop and a full-price bookshop. And then we have a crafting supply shop. Well, they are separate. Bu- they are separate buildings, and they're and separate shops in one way. But online, they're all under the one banner. And so, I would say that we're an uh, we're an area of escapism for people, and pleasure and enjoyment. And so, there is that connection. You know, nobody has to buy a book, or nobody has to go and make a dress or knit a cardigan. These are things people are doing. Um, because they enjoy them. So there is a link with all our business. Mm. And you were a very tactile business, weren't you? People wanted to come in. They wanted to feel the material. They wanted to mm. touch the book. Was it lovely to welcome people back, Joan? Oh, it was. Uh, people uh, people were delighted to come in. And like it, 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 it has been lovely. Now, I would also say it has been challenging. And that's where... Um, I'm one of the things I'm sort of remembering about the Leos. One of the very big things that we worked with in the past with the Leos, we worked with the customer service charter. And I think, again, we've gone out of the habit of being customer focused as much as we used to be. And everybody's a little more stressed and a little more um, anxious. So we did a big job with the Leos before where we um, set up the customer service charter, which was the first of its kind in Europe. And part of that was we had an evening, one evening in the um, in the Everyman where we had 600 people from around the city in retail coming. And Alf Dunbar did a talk on how to connect with customers, how to deal with a difficult customer, how to look after your customer, how to... And he was amazing. And I, I'm going to be lobbying for that again because I think that's what we need now. We're all a bit burnt out. We need somebody fresh to come in and give us a lift and remind us about 
our customers and how to look after ourselves and our customers in the retail environment. Mm, I, and Neos were brilliant for that. We'd had a, a fantastic event. Yeah, and that's the kind of thing that, that the local enterprise office can really bring value yeah. to, to businesses yeah. across the city. It's written down here that you first opened your first shop in McCroom over 30 mm. years ago, which means that you started when you were six years of age, Joan, which I'm very impressed with <laughs> that you were such a young entrepreneur. But uh, <laughs> over that time, you've seen retail change immeasurably. And what what advice do you have for people who are starting out in retail now when there's consistently a narrative, oh, God, there's no point, bricks and mortar's dead, it's all going to be delivered by drone and Amazon, why would you open bricks and mortar? What, what advice do you give to those people? Well, first of all, I would say, if, especially if there are people thinking of opening in Cork City, that it's a great city to operate in. There is a strong tradition of supporting local and supporting small business. And I haven't seen that go away at all. I, that's a very strong tradition in the city. Anyway, and also the city, again, I, I'm talking about now for Cork City because that's really what I can talk about. But, I mean, there's a lot of investment going into Cork City and they're saying, like, it's the fastest growing city in Ireland and we'll be over the next 20 years and our population is going to triple. If that's not an attractive place for anybody to open a business and 50% of our population is under 35 years of age, so, I mean, there's a lot of people there to shop and people have been t- stuck in at home and they have been buying online. But people also want the experience of connecting with people. And I don't think it's just to do with COVID. I think what was showing up with online over the years was that there was a reality that some of the bigger companies were realizing that the customer wanted just more than the online. They wanted somewhere to go as well. So. I'd be careful if I was opening up. I'd make sure I was well financed. But I'd also look and and to somewhere positive like Cork City as a as a good environment. And also then you have places like the the local enterprise office who'll support you, who'll connect you with people. There's a lot of traders associations around the place. Again, you can link up with there's the Cork Business Association. So there's a lot of supports around, uh, and and somebody to people to meet with that. You do, we're not competing. We might be competing in some ways against each other, but we all know there's nothing like a vibrant city. And the more small businesses that give individu- individuality to the city and give a personality to the city, this, the more likely we're going to get more people coming in. Mm. So I would say anybody thinking of opening up in the city would be very welcomed by the existing traders. And you're going to be talking during Local Enterprise Week at an event, the topic of which is mm. the winning formula for 2022. Joan, I'm on the edge of my seat. What does it involve and what do I need to do to get a bit of it? Well, you see, I'm the winning formula for me, I think, is all about the customer service. I mean, I'm for, like, how would I say, rejuvenating all, all of our teams that are a bit worn out and a bit flattened out and a bit sort of anxious and give them a, you know like a, a new sort of bring back the customer service charter bring back the, the the focus on the customer and on looking after ourselves and i think that's the part if we'll offer the good service and our staff are feeling relaxed and looked after i think that's as winning a formula as you'll get it's uh, brilliant to talk to you. I, I love coming into the shop. I love having the wander. I mean, one of the biggest disadvantages of, of some of the retail decline over the years has been that inability to wander. But we are very blessed to have shops like Vibes and Scribes where we can still go in and uh, I can still marvel at all the other craft stuff that I don't understand. But Joan, it's been a pleasure to talk to you. Good luck with your talk for Local Enterprise Week. Joan Lucy, yeah. MD of Vibes and Scribes, thanks so much for joining us on Red Business. Thank you very much. Goodbye. 
Red Business with IBEC, building a sustainable, competitive future for Cork business. All those details about Local Enterprise Week are up on localenterprise.ie forward slash Cork City if you're looking for them. But it's not just that we're celebrating next week. Tuesday, March the 8th, is International Women's Day. And as the world of work continues its rather rapid transformation, it is an opportunity to reflect on women's representation in that evolving environment. Cara McGann is the Head of Social Policy with IBEC. And although a lot of progress has been made, Cara, towards equality in recent decades, the last two years showed how fragile that actually can be. You're very welcome to the podcast. Thanks very much, Jonathan. No, you're absolutely right. We we really have made great progress in the area of gender equality in Ireland over the last couple of decades, Al- although we've plenty still to do. But we were really seeing that progress starting to translate into greater numbers of women in the labour market and progressing up and including leadership and board positions. And, and COVID really did undo some of that progress. And, and we really did start to see that all that hard-won progress was actually quite fragile when you looked at it. And we were seeing commentators talking about how we'd be back at 2017 levels by the end of last year if we, if, if we didn't, you know, act and, and do something about it. And, and I suppose we, we, we always know histor- historically that women are, are impacted most by crises and disasters and societal dis- disruptions. And COVID definitely ticked all of those boxes. Um, but, but definitely it's, it's something that we've, we found we really had to focus in on again. There's a little bit of confusion on my part, and it, it happens quite regularly, Cara, I can tell you. But I, I would have thought that this was a fantastic opportunity to finally make both men and women realise that you can do both. That you can work at home, you can help manage the kids, you can help manage the household uh, and still work. And in fact, for employers to realise just because someone isn't sitting in front of us doesn't mean they can't be productive at home or productive at a time of their choosing. Are we going to throw all that away or, or, or why haven't people realised the true value of that, the, the great leveller that COVID ended up being? I, I think what happened was, while it, COVID was a great leveller, how each uh, individual reacted to COVID wasn't necessarily a, a one-size-fits-all situation. And we saw, saw great moves by employers is really trying to flex with their employees, you know, whether that was trying to arrange hours so that, as you say, they could work at a time that suited and manage other things around it. But what we, we found was time and time again, more women were, were taking on greater amounts of childcare and elder care responsibilities. So as we saw homeschooling kick in, as we saw childcare um, com- coming to a close and many long-term care and elder care um, situations having to, to re- kind of revert to the family, if you like we saw more and more women taking on that double role again and and I mean already we know that you know research tells us that that women do significantly more of, of that role anyway um, it's so pronounced that some women who work who work both full-time and and have that role are are said to be working a double shift and that really didn't shift t- totally for them during COVID in fact mm. they were the ones re- requesting more time off or re- requesting more flexibility in their hours rather than men, even though, as you say, th- there was that opportunity. So I think I think what we what we saw is now we have an opportunity to look at how do we build back better, how do we take the best out of of how we worked differently during COVID, and look at how we bring that forward. Um, you know, and, and look at what's going to be the best opportunity for everybody. You always look at at how the younger generation viewed this as well. So for the first time ever. Both parents were at home unless they were involved in frontline or essential work. Mammy and daddy or daddy and daddy or mammy and mammy or whoever is at home, they were all there at the same time. 
it must be very confusing for the children, number one, but also a great opportunity to realise that it's not Mammy who does all the heavy lifting all the time, that Daddy can actually do it as well. Maybe this generation might benefit a lot from that. I think so, absolutely. And I think also, certainly anecdotally, we're hearing from from in particular men who didn't have the opportunity maybe before to be as involved in the family as they would have liked to be because they were they were busy working in a different way. And and the, the benefit that they found over COVID of being, you know, home for, for things that they would have missed maybe otherwise. So I think it, it's had a huge positive um, for, for, as you say, not only the children, but also for the family unit, whatever that looks like. Um, and, and I think that gives us an opportunity, as I say, to, to look at how we do things differently and not just revert to type and not just go back to the way we've always done it because, you know, the, the pandemic is hopefully in a different stage now. Um, so I, I think we've got to grasp that opportunity and really make sure that we don't waste it um, because we have seen we can be productive and we can do things in a different way. Mm. And, you know, the wheels didn't fall off, thankfully. So, you know, really, that is an opportunity for us to do differently. I remember being at a conference a couple of years ago. It was a real eye opener for me because we were tinkering around the edges with flexible working and working from home and uh, maybe the idea of, of gender pay gap legislation and how important that was. And, and somebody stood up to the front of the room, an expert in this area, and she said that none of this will make a tot of a difference until we install more women at board level. Um, and we install women at high levels of government because until that happens, it's not going to really filter down. So we are implementing gender pay gap legislation, but are we still falling short on that other side, that idea of women in leadership roles at the highest level in organisations who can actually affect change as opposed to give lip service to it? I, I think, as you say, absolutely, we, we have gender pay gap reporting coming down the track at us uh, later this year, which is great to see. And it'll certainly shine a spotlight on things, but neither it on its own or indeed putting pos- positions at the top as, as a kind of a, 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 a fix, if you like, is going to be enough. We really need a whole of society approach to this because there are so many stages along the way where we can derail. And and it's not, you know, unless we literally get all of those pieces of the puzzle together, we're not going to see real change. You know, if we, if we only change the top, it's a numbers exercise, we won't have the pipeline issue, you know, taken care of. Um, with the gender pay gap reporting, it's it's a point in time. It's, it's a figure that tells us actually not so much about pay, but about the representation of men and women within the organization so if you've got more women sorry if you've got more men in senior higher paid positions and more women in in more junior lower paid positions you're going to have a bigger gender pay gap what we actually need to do then is take that figure and say what are we how do we get there and also what are we going to do to change it and actually what actions but then as i say we we do need that myriad of structural cultural and policy um changes to to make a real difference and that's going to have to start back in our education Mm. system so from it's it literally stems back from the way children are introduced to learning and opportunities which socializes children into the expectation of certain roles as women's work or men's work but equally in our schools often our single-sex schools um, fail to offer certain gendered subjects, which immediately narrows the, the, the career choices later in life for boys and girls and men and women. And, and so we're, we're narrowing that career decision very early on um, and changing kind of the sectors or the careers that people might go into. Then we know that women are underrepresented, say, for example, in apprenticeships in certain industries like mm. engineering or transport and on and on. So, so really, we've got to tackle every stage of the of the ecosystem, if you like, to really make a difference. Um, and I do think that that gender segregation route is, is quite fundamental to it as well, 
as all of the other pieces um, that are that are okay. crucial here. Final point, Cara, if we can. Um, we have the issue of gender pay and gender equality. Then you've got diversity and then you've got inclusion. And the, the logical thing to do would be just to bundle it up and say we are a group as a society and it doesn't matter what gender you are, what race you are, uh, what your ethnic background is. None of that matters as long as you are seen as you. Was there a difference in the way diversity and inclusion was impacted by the pandemic versus the way that female representation was impacted? Um, yes, in a sense, it, it actually was an area that we were concerned could slip during during the pandemic. But actually, we saw a lot of, of companies and employers coming to us looking to really focus down on, on diversity and inclusion in all of its guises. And exactly as you said, no matter what, what way you're coming to the organisation, that you're coming as your whole self. Um, and, and it was interesting to see. So that started out for some companies really focusing on mental health and well-being and, and how that impacted their their people, um, but equally looking at doing things differently and, and making sure that we were getting the full representation of the population in our workforce and making sure that any obstacles or barriers weren't coming through. Now, the, the, the gender element being different, I think, had, had more to do with the other pieces around it in terms of the care the care issues um, and how that was impacting as well. So I think that was unfortunately a, a, a perfect storm of difficulties that maybe caused a different element of, of slippage in a way that diversity and inclusion as a whole actually got, got a spotlight on it. And we're really encouraged by the amount of, of um, focus that employers are putting on it. Many had been doing that already and had been really, you know, kind of extensively working in that area. But others new to the area really started to, to take interest and to really build okay. on on kind of the opportunity there. All right, Cara McGann, fascinating conversation. Head of policy at IBEC. Thanks so much for talking to us on Red Business today, Cara. Thanks very much. And that is it from this episode. Don't forget, you can download every episode of Red Business right now from redfm.com. Kira McDonough was the producer and we'll catch you on the next one. Get the Red Business podcast every week with Jonathan Healy at redfm.ie and wherever you get your podcasts. Red Business with IBEC, building a sustainable, competitive future for Cork business.